Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? No, 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 no. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Gord left wing into the slot one time chance Tolvin it scores soft it was a you know you hate to call your team soft but it was soft drops to Larson right circle Bjorkstrand scores they started on time we didn't uh, we were chasing from, from there lost it to Jared McCann got it in front Ryan Donato with a backhander he scores how 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 stop pummeling me it's really painful good morning Vancouver 601 on a Thursday happy Thursday everybody it is Halford, it is Bruff, it is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Folks, he's not just the spokesperson, he's also a client. Tell him about Kintech, Jason. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, big show ahead on the Halbro Experience on a Thursday. Uh, we are going to begin the guest list, one, at 7 o'clock. Two, we're going to go NFL at 7 o'clock. Matt Verderam, uh, national NFL editor for Fansided, is going to join us as we get our look ahead. We're going to do a two-day look ahead to the AFC and NFC Championship games on Sunday. Matt Verderam from Fanside will join us at 7 o'clock to do that. 7.30, it's Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff. Nothing to talk about with Frank. No <laughs> shortage of topics to discuss with Frank Saravalli of Daily Faceoff. You know, Frank is a Philly guy. Uh, we should ask Frank what his like first memories of Rick Tockett yeah. were and those teams that Rick Tockett played on and considering the makeup of those teams and the type of player that Rick Tockett was. Mm-hmm. We what can is, ask him. If, what, if, what do you think? What do you think of this current Canucks group? Do you think? Do you think they're? Do you think? Uh, how do you think they do in a, in a big brawl with those Flyers? Did any of Rick Tockett's coaches <laughs> ever call a Rick Tockett team soft after two games of watching them play hockey? What do you think him and Adam Foot are thinking right now on that bench? Just be like, oh my god! A lot of words that I can't say on the air. <laughs> probably, if I had to guess. Seven thirty. Frank Saravalli is going to join us. Eight o'clock. Brandon Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, we can talk to him about last night's 6-1 loss. The Canucks suffered in Seattle to the Kraken. He was on the call for it. It was ugly, folks. It was ugly, and Batch was there to break it all down. So 8 o'clock, Brandon Batchelor, 7.30, Frank Saravalli. 7 o'clock, uh, Matt Verderam is going to join us. Nine NHL games on the slate tonight. Canadian teams in action. Montreal's got Detroit. Winnipeg's got Buffalo. Uh, Calgary has the Chicago Blackhawks, who, now that we've seen those two games play out over the course of 48 hours, I think we can say that that win on Tuesday night might have had something to do with the Chicago Blackhawks. The Canucks decided to play the role of the Chicago Blackhawks last night, which was a nice turn. Uh, There's PGA, there's tennis, there's a lot of stuff on tonight. It's a busy sports night, but that's what's happening. Now we need to tell you what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... How busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? Well, it got really real for Rick Tockett yesterday in his second game as head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. The Seattle Kraken pounded 
Vancouver. Absolutely throttled the Canucks last night at Climate Pledge Arena. Six to one. And it was the first loss for the Vancouver Canucks under new head coach Rick Tockett. The Canucks went back to their old ways Wednesday in Seattle. I'm not sure um, who it made look worse. The Canucks, obviously, or the Blackhawks, frankly, as as you mentioned. Can we say both? Uh, the Kraken were, well, the Blackhawks at least have a plan to be bad. Successful bad team, those Chicago Blackhawks. The Kraken were all over the Canucks from the very start. And the Canucks obliged by playing all their classic hits uh, that we saw under Bruce Boudreaux, under Travis Green. Um, you know, maybe it, maybe some, maybe something Willie Dujardin. Yeah, maybe maybe the roster is a bit of a problem. Maybe it's not entirely the coach. Nah. There were the panicky giveaways by the likes of Horvat and Kuzmenko, and then Kuzmenko took a penalty after his bad giveaway. So that was yeah, it was like a bonus mistake by Kuzmenko. Uh, board battles were lost uh, all over the place. Um, JT Miller lost a key board battle about two minutes into the game. But, you know, Ryan Donato has always been a slippery player. Yes. Um, some ridiculously confused in-zone coverage where the Kraken were able to zip it around like they were on a five-on-three, but it was five-on-five. There were Canucks just kind of like looking around like, where where should I be? Yep. I, I don't know where I should be. And Rick Tockett was uh, replying from the bench, not there. Yeah, anywhere else but there. <laughs> Oh, and uh, the league's worst penalty kill gave up a few more goals for good measure. So, um, huh. They played all the hits. You were right. They played all the hits last night. The most interesting thing about last night's game, to be perfectly honest, wasn't the game. It was everyone waiting to see what Rick Tockett was going to say in the aftermath, and Tockett did not disappoint. I'll say this. I'm starting to understand why Jim Rutherford might like Rick Tockett. Because I think it took two games for Tockett to say that his team was really bad and call them soft. And I feel like that's kind of a Rutherford approach. When Rutherford says he's maybe sometimes too honest and uh, too forthright in his remarks, I think deep down he likes that. I still think Tockett was trying to hold his tongue yesterday. Oh, like there for were cert- sure he was. Yeah, there he was, was holding cert- back. Yeah, he was like, don't swear. The, he's, <laughs> he's, like, he's like, Jimmy... Jimmy said that he was going to zip it. Maybe I should take some of that, but he did not zip it. So let's just go through some of this audio here because there's a lot to parse through from Talkit last night. Uh, we will begin. Where do you want to begin? Do you want to begin with you the start. leadership? You do you want to begin? You, you know start. what? You start. I, I. You know what? Like I. Uh, let's I, begin I, with. I the- know you were watching it closely because you were uh, following it on Twitter or, or transcribing it was on Twitter. A pro so hockey talk mode last night. Yeah, you, you were transcribing off the TV. Forty-three-year-old guy and his coach. Anyway, uh, let's start with the quote that got everybody's attention. Rick Tockett calling his team soft. Take it away, laddie. This is Rick Tockett following the game last night, a 6-1 loss to the Kraken at Climate Pledge. Yeah, soft. It was a, you know, you hate to call your team soft, but it was soft. And I, you know, we didn't, uh, didn't participate on the wall battles. We didn't get a rim out. You know, that we knew we're there, you know, this is a good team. We didn't play predictable. We started regrouping, like old habits, you know, old habits came. We were just talking to the coach stuff, man. I wish I had about 10 practices. I really do. And uh, it shows tonight that we got a lot of work to do. 
So I'll just say when I was transcribing that, I couldn't really emphasize when he said we have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't know whether to spell lot with like seven O's <laughs> or put little asterisks a, around it. People were like, we have a loot. Because all, all, caps, all caps would have been the Because word. there's a big difference between the quote, uh, we've got a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. and then when Talkin said he's we got a lot of work to do. Those are important distinctions. And he was talking about the need for practice time. Well, the Canucks aren't going to have many practices over the next little while. Uh, they don't have one today. Today is an off day, scheduled off day. Um, and then they're on their all-star break. And then they go maybe, on a – Maybe they'll practice during the all-star break. <laughs> and then they go on a big road trip back east. Well, not a bit. Well, four-game road trip. So I think one of their – I think their next practice is like in New Jersey after a long day of travel. Right. So, like, that'll be a sharp – It'll be a sharp group there right after the, the all-star break. Matt and Richmond, I want to read some text here into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Sure. 650, 650, if you have any comments. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Uh, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Matt and Richmond, to ownership and management, it's the roster, stupid. It's not good enough and never has been past three years. No coach... We'll solve this, blow up this core instead of extending this continuous hamster wheel of misery. Well, we will talk about uh, some players that are pending unrestricted free agents and whether the Canucks are going to sign them or not. We'll have the discussion about Kuzmenko, about Bo Horvat uh, later on this hour. But let's get to more of uh, some Rick Tockett audio. Yeah. Him calling them soft. That is uh, the second game that he has coached behind the bench, and he's calling his team soft. Like I, I know he, he probably had an idea of that, and that he was, was going, aware of their inherent. Softness. That was going to be his opinion. Yeah. Um, don't forget what type of hockey player Rick Tockett was. This was a guy that was yes, a good player, and would score quite a bit for some very good Flyers teams. In the 80s, he played for a bunch of other teams, but I think of him, I still think of him that, like he's a flyer. And um, he had close to 300 penalty minutes some nights, right? Like that was a really, really tough team. Has the game changed? Yeah, the game changed. Like no one's getting 300 penalty minutes anymore. That just doesn't happen. There aren't many guys with over 100 penalty minutes. But I think with him and Adam Foote on the bench there, teams often – you know, like a, a coach wants his team to play like he played, right? Like Bruce Boudreaux was a guy that liked offensive hockey, and that's the type of player mm-hmm. he was. I don't know if Bruce Boudreaux and Adam Foote want that type of hockey. Uh, Rick Tockett. Not sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I think, I think when he's talking about soft in this, he's not talking about we need to go out and face punch people because they actually did that last night, right? Although Jimmy Oleksak also did some. Face punching. I think what he's talking about is soft in relation to uh, being hard to play against. We've talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, toughness and hardness doesn't always translate into pounding a guy through the glass or pounding his face in. It's it's no. got to do with being a difficult team to play against. It's not hard to parse talk its words right now because he's not even really parsing them himself. It's uh, play straightforward. And he said predictable hockey about 15 times over the course of 48 hours. Yeah. And predictability for him is um, it's simple, and everyone on the ice knows what's coming next. Therefore, we can play a little bit faster, and we can do the things, and we can get into the style of play that we want to get into. It's really straightforward. 
but they're not doing it right now. They're not even doing anything close. And that's what fr- what's frustrating for him. Not just frustrating. There were times last night you and I would joke when we were texting back and forth. He sounded like he was at a complete loss for words. <laughs> I mean, he even said it. He said, I, I don't I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I think he was a little bit stunned at how bad it was. Yeah, I think he knew that it could get bad. But I don't think he realized it would play out that badly in front of his eyes. Right? He said in that quote, and I don't know if we picked it up, nobody here wants the puck. It's a fairly damning indictment of your hockey team because the puck is a very integral part of the game. Well, I think the You need that, don't you? You need it. Yeah. You need it. I think some of the most interesting things he said was when he was talking about every play seems to be some attempt at like a home run play, yes. right? A home run pass. And how many times have we said that about JT Miller, for example, like he always, he's always trying to make the home run pass. And sometimes he does. And oftentimes that's why he piles up points. He makes really good plays. But when you're trying to make those plays all the time, instead of just sometimes make, I'm going to go into AV mode here, the high percentage play, the easy play. Mm-hmm. Just go make that. You know, like not every yeah. pass, like Kuzmenko, um, got in trouble coming out of his own end uh, in the first period because he was trying to make this crazy cross. It wasn't crazy, but it was like this big long cross ice pass. Yeah, where it was going to spring someone. Well, he flubbed it, and then the puck turns over, and he had to take a penalty. Didn't have to, but he chose to. Yes, he very much chose. <laughs> Didn't to. have to. Like yeah. it wasn't a law, but like it's that type of thing. But that's a system thing, right? Like the guys don't know what to do with the puck, so they're like, "Okay, well, I'm going to do a home run play here." On the subject of JT Miller, who you alluded to there, uh, Tockett mentioned the leadership group as well yesterday, and I thought that was a really pointed criticism and a noteworthy one. Uh, among the criticisms, here's Rick Tockett on his leadership group and leaders following that aforementioned six-one loss to the Kraken last night. Well, listen, you know, we all know there's some holes we got to fill. Um, you know, we got to get that leadership group stronger, uh, more resilient uh, team, obviously. Um, and listen, I, I'm not making excuses, but maybe the anxiety caught up to them and every, it just, it looked like everybody looked tired. Everybody couldn't handle the puck. Usually in some games you have three or four guys that don't look good, but it seemed like I, I don't. There's a couple of guys actually really trying out there, but the rest of the guys were really struggling tonight. And maybe the anxiety hit their legs. I don't know. Horvat was not good last night. He's the captain of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, he may not be long for this team. Uh, JT Miller is another leader on this team. He was not good. And I was talking about, like, he talking, was talking about board battles. Like, he lost one early on to Ryan Donato yeah. that Justin Bourne and, and I both kind of I put it on Twitter and then Bourne had it on the uh, on the broadcast right and it was part of it was just like bad habits like it was two minutes into the game and Ryan Donato had uh, got a pass behind the Canucks net and Miller just went in on such a bad angle that Donato was able to spin off of him and have like a direct path to the net now people will say yo you're picking on JT Miller again well, if your centers are losing battles like that mm-hmm. down low, that's a major, major problem yes. defensively for your group. Now, people will say, well, why, what about Horvat's giveaway? Yeah, Horvat wasn't very good mm-hmm. either. Nobody was good. Uh, but it's interesting that JT Miller played just 16 minutes and 30 seconds. What does that tell you? 
16 minutes and 30 seconds. Maybe blacked out for a little bit. And six minutes of that was on the power play. JT Miller only played about 10 minutes even strength. That is a, that is a major demotion in ice time compared to what he was getting under the former coach. Unsigned text here about ice time and shifts and what have you. This must be from Gary. Uh, I repeat, Brock Besser, 21 shifts, 19 minutes time on ice. Zero shots, zero hits. It's the old Sam Mitchell stat line. Zero, 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 zero. I mean, he is the definition of soft. Besser is having a real tough go of it. Really tough. Uh, the nine goals, and we're coming up on 40 games right now, just hangs there in that sort of very lonely single digit in the stats card. It's not great. Uh, and I'll say this, I don't think a lot of things about Brock Besser's game translate into what Rick Tockett wants to see out of his skaters on a regular basis. I'm holding out hope for Garland for two reasons. Is One, I think when he's engaged, he can be a little bit more of a consistent pain-in-your-ass, thorn-in-your-side pest. But when he's not, he's just a dude that floats around the perimeter and kind of puts muffins on net. So... I don't know if Tockett's got the key to unlock him like he did in Arizona, but we've talked a lot about... He, are you talking about Besser? No, 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 Garland. Oh, Garland. Yeah, Garland, but Garland. we're talking about Garland and Besser, mm-hmm. and we've often talked about them in tandem because it's like those two guys are the two guys that need to go, right? <laughs> so you're kind of looking at it and you're saying, well, can you salvage either of these situations because they're so bad right now? That's that I threw out yesterday mm-hmm. where Dries and Joshua... Almost have the same amount of goals as Besser and Garland combined, which is wild when you think about it for the amount that the Canucks are spending on the latter two. Well, hey, what does it tell you about what Tockett thinks of this team that Dakota Joshua seems to be getting quite a bit of opportunity? Yeah, part of it I think is intentional when he came in and kind of made a mandate that he wanted to see more out of his bottom six guys. And I think you can prop them up by giving them more ice time. But the, I mean, Joshua played 14 minutes last night. He had, he had, he, I think he had the. The Jack Stanika spot on yeah. up in the top. And I six. believe he might have been one of the guys that Tockett was uh, alluding to where he's like, we had a couple guys that were really trying tonight. Well, my point was that Tockett looks at him and goes, here's a big guy that actually is able to get physical. Yeah. Maybe we can try and get a little more out of him. And he's probably going, this is a bit of a desperation ploy. Like, with all due respect to Dakota Joshua, he shouldn't be playing in the top six of any team. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I think that's exactly, or not exactly, but reasonably close. To the thought process there. Uh, Laddie, I don't have all of the slugs for the Rick Tockett in front of me, but what was another noteworthy clip that we can play? Because Tockett had a lot of stuff to say after the game, despite the fact that, just like his predecessor, he threw out the I don't know what to say or I'm not sure what to say when trying to analyze this team. What do we got? Well, that was the other big clip, the one where he says, I don't know what to say. The one where he was speechless was, yeah. uh, was probably the biggest takeaway from Let's the Rick Tockett press conference. So, well, you, like I said you last night, you know, I warned Lakey and the coach, like, you know, it's one game, but it's hard to do it again and again. And it, 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 was, it was hard for them to stay in good habits, you know, frustration. Um, you know, I don't like to say the anxiety, but it, it, you just, I don't, I don't know what to say. I really don't. It's one of those, you know, uh, game plan is there. And it's hard to continue to do it. Sometimes when you have to play a good team like that, it's okay to live for another shift, you know? Just advance the puck, 
you know, you don't always have to make a home run play, and then we try to make home run plays over home run plays, and then it's two, three, four, nothing, and then, you know, then the, uh, the game's over after that. Do you remember about a decade ago, they had that really, really good commercial for the Stanley Cup? Mm. And I think the commercial was called No Words. Yeah. And the, it was like a it was like a composition of <laughs> maybe you can find you can try oh, and find I, I, I mean I it, went, it wouldn't do any about. justice to actually maybe play it on the radio because it's all these guys that have just won the Stanley Cup and they're all speechless. They're all speechless. Have you got it? <laughs> I don't know like, if it'll work. No, it, it may not work, <laughs> but I just want to I just want to remind everyone of this because in a weird way, like Tockett's uh Tockett's postgame speechlessness reminded me of this. And it's like the opposite. Like these mm. guys have won the Stanley Cup, but Tockett is like, uh, that's the opposite. Your feelings on winning this cup. It's uh I mean it's real hard to explain. Uh yeah, yeah. And then, it's reasonably close. There wasn't as much music in the background of talking. And ironically, though, that's such a good commercial. Yes. I don't. I don't know what to say. Can we, can, we, can, can we put? Can we put? That would be hilarious if someone out there could do that music over talking talk post game yeah. yesterday and some and some of the old Boudreaux ones just for good like, color. Why not? <laughs> I miss Bruce the Vancouver that. Canucks. No words to describe this team. I mean, he came up with them in the end. God bless him because he was. I felt, again, I don't want to, no one wants to hear my interpretations or like speech analysis, right? That's going a little bit too far for AM Sports Talk Radio. But it almost felt like he had to check himself a couple times from going he all 1, in. He 1,000% did. All in. He did. Right? And that's, that's a couple things. That's a guy that just got his butt kicked, right? And uh, it's also a guy that knows he's got the leeway to criticize this group, but doesn't want to go too far. And to be perfectly honest, uh, he's going to have to probably address calling his team soft because you know that's coming up eventually. I don't know how he'll do it. I don't know if he'll do the Boudreaux and just kind of walk it back because it's the right thing to do. But uh, that's going to come up. Well, I think also how he's going to address it is he's going to walk into the room of Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford and say, Get me less soft players. See, I didn't want to say get me harder players. You can do that. <laughs> Give me some guys that are hard, right? <laughs> but, but oh, clipping that. But um, here's the thing: I, some people are saying like, "Oh, we heard the same thing from Boudreaux. We did not to that degree and not in that way, but oftentimes, <laughs> you know, it's like when you know something's wrong, but you get that second opinion anyway, mm-hmm. just to confirm." That's kind of what's going on right now. Like the management was like, we knew this team was pretty bad, and we knew that Bruce wasn't the guy. But you know, we let him have his say sometimes, and mm-hmm. you know, he told us that it might be the roster, and he said it out loud sometimes that it might be the players. But we just wanted to be sure, so we brought in Doctor Talkett, and he confirmed the diagnosis right. that the team isn't very good. That's what's interesting. This team has four days to live. <laughs> really, it's the All Star break. They were all going to go to Cabo. But I, you know, it's it, it again. I don't want to make too much about last night, but to, to me, last night and what happened afterwards means so much more, so much more than what happened the previous night against Chicago. Yeah, like that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Chicago, if you can beat a bad team on home ice, 
and tilt the ice so that you've got a shot advantage. Like that's cool. The the one thing that the uh, Chicago game did show was like just how successful you can be when you defend. Like I I realized the opposition was bad, but the Canucks have to get back to the level where or get to the level. I don't know. Back this yeah. team is this group as it's currently constructed has never been at that level. They need to get to a level where they can consistently make teams look like Chicago, mm-hmm. right? But unfortunately, that's going to be really hard because teams are better than Chicago. Okay, Dustin from Abbey just texted in. The one comment that Tockett made that has me worried was when he made reference to the people telling him, quote-unquote, the one we just read and just heard, people telling him that this was a group that had trouble giving consistent effort. Did he not watch the team he was going to take over? Uh, Dustin from Abbey, that shouldn't be a concern. Uh, It should be... You should appreciate the fact that it only took him 48 hours to say all this stuff out loud. Right? It's the old, um, it, I'll take a flamethrower to this place. Like, that is, that's what's going on, essentially. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, all these uh, all these early assessments from Talkit are about what Rutherford said about major surgery. And what Alvin said about you're not going to come. This isn't going to be a quick turnaround this season. Like mm-hmm. they all are quickly identifying uh, exactly like, the major flaws in this team. I'll never fully understand why they waited 40 games into this season to get to this point. I know that there was a lot of different factors at play. And quite frankly, I don't want to relitigate all of them. But right now, like Talkit is here to kind of do exactly what he's doing. It's to point out all the flaws and inefficiencies. And not really have anyone looking over, not have to look over his own shoulder to worry about what the blowback might be. Mm-hmm. He's Rutherford Alvin's guy. Yep. This is it, right? He's kind of there to carry out the hit, right? This is what he's there to do. Uh, we'll talk about Bo Horvat's future, Kuzmenko's future on the other side of the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. You just, I don't, I don't know what to say. Hardness doesn't always translate into pounding a guy. Give me some guys that are hard. It's a simple recipe for success, my friends. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we're going to put a bow on the recap of last night's game because we've got a couple other Canucks stories at large that we want to get to. But... Uh, news and notes that we didn't get to in the opening segment. Yes, there was a Bruce There It Is chant at Climate Pledge Arena last night. The genesis of it, where it came from, it kind of apparently is in the midst of debate. Someone called into the postgame show yesterday, claimed they were in Seattle, and that it was started by Canucks fans at Climate Pledge Arena. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's kind of a bummer because I was looking forward to uh, road teams in the NHL using that as a taunt for the Canucks when they go to their barn, right? I bet they still might. That's well, a great I, idea. Yeah, I thought I thought about it afterwards. I'm like, that's perfect, right? So I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Yes, you did hear it correctly. There was a Bruce there at his chant at Climate Pledge last night. I was, a, I was, I'm disappointed to hear that as well. If that's the case, um, because that would have been a bit of like. Hey, the Kraken fans are paying attention to the league. 
Right. Andy asked, they're like, do you think that the Kraken fans are that dialed in? I'm like, I don't know. Right. I don't know. I would like to hope because that's a pretty that's a pretty slick move on the part of their fan base when you're kicking the living daylights out of the team <laughs> that you're playing and you have that 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 chirp in your arsenal. Uh, so there was that. Also, I didn't realize this until coming in this morning, but the the hit that Myers put on Beneers has really drawn the ire of Kraken <laughs> Twitter. But just cracking fans in general. Um, I it, it, don't get me wrong. I was kind of focused on a lot of other things than the hit. But Beneers did leave. Uh, his head hit the ice after Myers' hit. He didn't return. There's a lot of people already expressing concern about a concussion. It almost wasn't unlike what happened to Lockwood uh, against Chicago, where his head snapped and hit the ice, and he suffered a concussion. That's how Phil Giuseppe got in the lineup. So there's something to monitor because. Beneers is such a massive part of the Kraken's success this year. He's slated to go to the All-Star game in a few days' time. And if he misses any significant length of time, that's a huge blow to that team. Anyway, I think that's it from last night. Myers got a penalty on that. Yeah, I don't know if he did or not. I, no, honestly, did. I wasn't even paying attention to that yeah, part yeah, of the yeah. game. I was already yeah, in transcribing got, mode. I was warming up my fingers for talking. He got an interference penalty and because and, and he was able to take that penalty because he knows that the Canucks are so good at killing penalties. Like, you know, like we can do this. Uh, yeah, last night special teams are a disaster. Right. La- last like, night the thanks, power play, welcome to the welcome to the party now. Last night, thanks to I can't remember how many uh penalty or power play goals conceded there were. Two. The the Canucks PK for the month of January now is officially dipped below 60%. It's getting close to 50-50 on power plays, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, Myers took that penalty at 5:23 of the second period. Jared McCann scored at 5:55. Yeah. So they they killed 22 seconds of it. That's pretty or 30 whatever the math is. I noticed yeah. Talkett didn't even get a chance to get asked about the penalty kill because there were so many other glaring issues. Well, the power game. play's lost now too. I think the power play had, I think there was like nine minutes or something along those lines of power play time. Yeah. They didn't score. And they so they've lost their confidence. And JT Miller's like, that's on me. That's on me. They only I'm had like, three shots with the man advantage. Yeah. I mean. With nine oh, minutes, it's not good yeah, enough. OEL missed, missed the net with like four different shots on the last on the last one. But yeah, every n- nothing's going well right now. So obviously, Kuzmenko is looking at this situation and going, sign me up for more of that. Mm-hmm. Well, conversely, after last night's game, why would you not want to lock up as many of those guys as possible <laughs> to extensions? So Andre Kuzmenko was in the news yesterday because his agent, Dan Milstein, uh, went on Donnie and Dolly, Rick Dollywall, Don Taylor, you know them, of course. He went on their show yesterday and laid out in pretty good detail what the two sides are looking for and what the two sides are talking about. Uh, I'll read the quote as quickly as possible. Milstein said, and I quote, Kuzmenko would like to stay in Vancouver. Obviously, in the end, it's a business, and we're going to look at the contract situation and factor it all in, but I'm hopeful we can still get a deal done. The preference is probably to do a very short bridge deal and see how things go. Now, you quickly pointed out, and astutely, what are you laughing at? The fingers line. It was the fingers line. We had two Ever, different texts about it. Yeah. It was like, "What does warming up my fingers for Talkit mean?" I was trying to clarification, transcri- please. I was trying to transcribe the Rick Talkit audio, so I was tweeting, "Warming up my fingers." Ever that's a pretty common phrase. Warming up your fingers for Talkit. I've heard it before. We're talking about Milstein on Donnie and Dolly, and I think you're turning into Dolly this morning. I was intentional. <laughs> the thing, warming up my fingers for Talkit was pretty intentional, but um, okay, it wasn't. Kuzmenko in the bridge. No, that was. Okay. I'm not even joking. Right. Uh, Kuzmenko in the bridge. It was like when I said we need more guys that can get hard. He, he knew what he was doing. <laughs> I knew what I was doing. 
Okay, Kuzmenko in the bridge deal. So Milstein threw it out there yesterday. Uh, and you astutely pointed out, it's kind of a weird thing to hear about an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, he's going Where's for the bridge contract. He's what is he bridging to a higher salary cap? You're or something already, you're like already that. there. The bridge got you to UFA. You didn't even need one, but yeah. you bring up a good point. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised to um, hear that he wants the short term deal. Like he wants a two year deal, and I think a lot of Canucks fans are probably like, "Good," because <laughs> whenever we sign players to long term deals, they tend to go the wrong way. Yeah. Um, but then you think, okay, this probably actually makes sense because um, Kuzmenko has been playing with Pedersen a lot. Um, he's been getting power play one time. Um, if he continues along on this production, then maybe he's really in line for a payday. Yeah, I think it's a risk, though. It's a risk. If you don't try and get the most total money you can out of an unrestricted free agent contract, sometimes when you bet on yourself, it goes the wrong way. And Kuzmenko turns 27 in a few days. I think he's an early February birthday. What are you going to get him for his birthday, Andy? I haven't thought that far yet. I'm so, <laughs> going to work on no, 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 good, but, but okay, he's let's 20, not get he's distracted 20, 27 in early February. So he's he wants to bridge himself to being a 29-year-old unrestricted free agent? It's a risk on his part, for sure. I was a little surprised when that was thrown out there mm -hmm. because I'm like, I get that a couple years from now, the cap will conceivably be much higher and he could get another payday, but you're right. There's no guarantees in this world. Mm -hmm. That's why so many of these guys take the money when they get it, right? You get the big seven or eight year deal with a tens of millions of dollars payday. It's oftentimes why guys jump at it. Uh, by the way, Kevin Weeks, ESPN's uh, hockey analyst, former Canucks goalie, then jumped onto Twitter shortly after the Milstein interview and said that he's been told that uh, the bridge deal could land on two years at five to six million AAV. So, Situation remains fluid. So one thing with this is, you know, people are like, why are they re-signing him? Part of it is probably like they discussed this when they signed him in the first place, right? You're not. You're obviously going to discuss what the next steps might be after the one-year deal. They can't come up with a um, exact total, or, or because they don't know how Kuzmenko is going to go in the NHL. It's not like they promised to sign him or, or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, now, I do think that they should strongly explore trading him, and I would hope at the very least that they know what they could get for him. But I have, I have, I have a feeling that they're probably just pretty laser focused on getting this done because. Unlike most of the Canucks fans, or a lot of the Canucks fans, they don't want to rebuild. They don't seem to have any any interest in getting draft picks. They want to turn this thing around in a year or two. So a lot of the times when I say this stuff, like it turns into, hey, don't shoot the messenger. Sure. I'm not endorsing this. How many times have we said this? Like, we're not endorsing this, but we're just telling you what they're probably going to do. Yeah. And it, it's always felt like they're going to re-sign Kuzmenko because this organization seems to have this attitude of like it's it's a good attitude in theory but it's impossible to carry out in the hard cap era they're like what if we keep the good players and then trade away the bad players mm -hmm. and it's kind of that attitude they want to have their cake and eat it too right and it's I, kind of like I, the rest of the league goes well here's our response to that we don't want your bad players so you're gonna have to keep them which mm -hmm. is why we had an off season like we had 
last off season where they couldn't move the money. Well, I mean, the, the analysis and view that you laid out there, and again, don't shoot the messenger because he's just speaking from someone else's opinion. We get it a lot from the simps in the in-basket, right? We do. We get it a ton where they're like, why do you guys always want to trade away good players for picks? To which I have to then, calm, like a kindergarten teacher, calmly respond, try not to think about this uh, as like dollars in, dollars out. It's a complex problem in Vancouver. It's going to require a complex solution. Mm-hmm. So when you move out Andre Kuzmenko and you net assets in return, you have to almost look at it as we spent $950,000 and our return is going to be maybe multiple picks, maybe a prospect in a pick, whatever the case may be. It's just a simple transaction. Then you take those assets and you say, what can we do with them to make our team better? Because I don't know if you guys understand this or not, but you can do more things with the pick than make the pick. Like finding a defenseman, maybe. Again. Or drafting a defenseman. Actually using the picks and taking a longer-term view than... Next year. Exactly. It's also worth pointing out this is a really, really good draft. A very deep draft. So if you're going to stockpile picks, but this I've is got, the year to do it. I've got time for people saying, we don't want to trade away good players for, for lottery chances in the draft. And I'm like, okay, sure. But the good players that you're identifying right now, collectively they suck. They're like the 30th best team in the league, maybe. And do you know what the culmination of trading away too many draft picks or not focusing on draft picks you're watching it right now. I know, I, but I also said, <laughs> like, like, I look the team when people are like, "Oh, what are you talking? Like, how could they? How would they do this?" I'm like, Montreal did it last year at the draft. Really simple. Like, it took. I mean, I know it took longer to get the trade, but it took 45 minutes to trade Romanoff, get the 13th overall pick, move it for Kirby Doc. That's a thing that you can do. Question here: If the Canucks do sign Kuzmenko to a bridge deal, two-year deal, um, will they give him any trade protection? Because I think, at the very least, if they do sign him to a two-year deal and he doesn't have any trade protection, for me, I'm kind of okay with that. Because then you don't you don't ruin his trade value by signing him to this long-term crazy contract that you're kind of like, what team would want this? Yeah, which is kind of the JT Miller example. Yeah. Um, if and they take your pick, really, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, another another question here. If they sign Kuzmenko, does that make it even harder to trade Besser and Garland because teams are looking at them and going, okay, so you've added more salary, more salary cap commitments going forward. I'm gonna, I know that you're going to be even more desperate to unload Besser and Garland. Yeah, I mean, you we we talked about this I think last week with regards to the, a potential Horvat trade. And we'll talk about that next because there was a little bit of news on that front. And I was a little loath with the idea of, oh, if you're if you're making a Horvat trade, could you attach a crappy contract onto it and get rid of it? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe you don't want to monkey with the trade. You just kind of want to get assets in return. But you pushed back, and I think correctly, when I thought about it afterwards, is like, if you can use any of these trades to get yourself out of cap hell, you should do it because the cap space is such a valuable asset, mm-hmm. especially for this team. So, look, if you're talking about the big three right now for the Canucks would be Horvat, Kuzmenko, and Shen. Those guys you can trade at the deadline that would have tangible value. Maybe one of those trades does involve something creative where you're offloading 
Besser or Garland or whoever else. God, somehow my, uh, OEL, which is almost impossible. But um, the Horvat trade, we did want to get to that because as we start to parse through the details and we get closer to the March 3rd trade deadline, um, it sounds more and more like we're getting the parameters of what the market looks like. Now, a big part of trading for Bo Horvat for the acquiring team is what? The obvious. Can you keep him and sign him to an extension or are you getting him as a rental? Now, the key to all of this is the acquiring team needs to know about that. And right now, it seems like that part of the equation isn't on the table yet. Yet. Meaning, according to Rick Dollywell, who again is talking to agents an awful lot, so you get an idea of where the talks are going, uh, the Canucks have not granted permission to the Horvat camp to explore a future with some of these teams. Right? Do people think there's, the Canucks are still going to take one more crack at signing Bo Horvat? Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. They're controlling this as much as they can. Um, I guess not giving Horvat permission also keeps as many teams as possible in the mix. Sure. At least interested because if you give, let's say some, let's say, I don't know, Dallas, I'm just picking one off the top of my head, comes and says, uh, you know, we're interested in Horvat, but we want to talk to Horvat. And then Horvat goes, I'm not signing long-term. I don't want to go to Dallas. Yeah, weakens your leverage. I, I don't care for Texans, yeah. right? He might say that. Then then, you, then that's one less person that can um, be part of the, the bidding process. Yeah. Um, but is there a risk in doing this that a deal could fall apart if they don't ultimately grant permission? Could it potentially hurt the return in a very important trade, if they also, do trade, also yes, right. Like, it, wasn't that one of the major theories of why the J.T. Miller deal with New York fell apart? Is because the Canucks wouldn't give permission to the Islanders to talk to J.T. Miller. Yeah, and Lam- and so, and Lamorello very much. Yeah. Theoretically, Lamorello could have said, "Well, I'm not ready to take that risk. I yeah. can't trade for one year of J.T. Miller. I need well, costs. it would have been two years. Two years. Did, yeah. I, I I need certainty beyond that. Mm-hmm. And I." Oh no! It would have been one year because it was yeah. at the draft. Yeah, but it's it, one but, more year. But it works yeah. both ways. Like, yeah. Again, there's no perfect solution to this problem. The problem is that you've got the problem, right? This is what you're what what you're de- dealing with when you do things like kick the can down the road. Mm-hmm. Or wait, I mean, you want to talk about another in- situation that's playing into all of this? With every passing game and every shot that goes anywhere near Horvat or any body check that he <laughs> absorbs. Runs the risk of him getting hurt. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, and we're at that stage now where you want to put him in bubble wrap and make sure that he gets to March 3rd. If Hor- if Horvat got hurt and the Canucks were unable to trade him for anything, I, uh, would that be the end of the road for the Rutherford-Alvin tandem in Vancouver? Mm, it wouldn't. It would be It would be a massive like blow. Like, it would be, be... a massive blow. It would be... Like, they are... It would be very Canuck-ish if that happened. We have bad. You're, you're, I mean, that you, would just be. I. I don't. You I had a I, moment of rea- a moment of realization there. I'm like, I feel like Rick Talkett <laughs> after the game last night. Like, I'm, I'd be speechless like, if God. that were to ever happen. But you um, also know that it probably could because it's the Canucks. So one good example um, to compare this Horvat thing is um, the Lindholm trade between Hampus Lindholm between Anaheim and Boston, right? Where. <laughs> Lindholm just happened to sign an eight-year contract extension a day after the trade went down. No tampering there. I'm pretty sure that didn't come together in a day. Well, it might have just been that Anaheim gave permission quietly to Lindholm to talk with the Bruins, right? It could be. But you also bring up the tampering word. 
And are interested teams in Horvat just going to find out whether or not he'd be open to signing a contract? Like yeah. Pat Morris is his agent. Mm-hmm. Pat Morris knows a lot of people. He's been in the game for a long Represents time. Represents what half the league. Yeah, yeah it's, I'm it's, not. It's, I'm not sitting here and saying like Pat Morris. You know he'll tamper. You know he'll be like. But teams are going to have, you got to figure, and you look at this Lindholm deal, and you look at just like free agency and just the history of these big deals been, being signed like as soon as they're legally allowed to, to be signed. We, we all know what goes on behind the scenes. Our team's going to find out anyway whether or not the Horvat's going to be open to an extension with them. Yeah, and that's why it always is hilarious to me when there's this public declaration of we have not granted permission. Because I'm like, I bet you could get around that pretty easily. Like, it's not like the NHL is this huge network of strangers. Everybody knows everyone. Every coach that gets hired by a GM, they either played together or they were roommates in college. Like, there's It's a small network, especially when you throw the agents into a mix. I think that there are probably are um, some general managers that want to keep people at an arm's distance and they'll just throw that out there. But the reality is, is if you're genuinely interested, that's the other thing too, mm-hmm. is it could weed out those with genuine interest yeah, and those that are just kind of kicking tires on an information and fact-finding mission, right? We keep hearing reports that the Canucks are looking for roster players in return for the Horvat trade. Mm-hmm. And I just keep wondering how they're going to get that done. Is this going to be added to the other list of like totally unrealistic expectations for this team? Like, we want to get rid of the bad contracts, or we want roster players in a Horvat return. How are they going to get key? Like, they're not looking for fourth liners here. How are they going to get key roster players in a Horvat trade? Well, the key. I don't understand the it. And then some the of them, key. they're like, and I want centers. Really, like, <laughs> what team, teams are like? We need another center. Can you give us a center in return for this? Yeah, go look. Well, what? just go look at the what are you out of your mind. Go look at the top end of the drafts from 2018, 2019, 2020. That's what I think. That's what they're looking at. I mean, because the, there are guys that got moved. Like I keep bringing the Kirby. someone reported out there. By the way, the the Shane Wright thing that's not going to happen. Right. So there's you can scratch him off the list. But we talked about I talked about that Kirby Doc deal. Um just the framework and the parameters of it. Um, we brought up, if it was Carolina, is Kokiniemi a guy that fits that that, mm-hmm. that list? Those are the kind of things you're looking I mean, Lafreniere's come up. Kako's come up. Just in concept, because those are the kind of players that they're identifying. We're not talking about... We're not talking about uh, former first-round picks that Benning brought in that were very clearly not going to work out because they were 27-28, like Derek Pouliot, for example. Right. At that point, we pretty much understood that Pouliot wasn't going to have... A career revival. He was going to be a depth piece, and he ultimately was even less than that. He was an American Hockey League player. But I mean, I'm kind of trying to read the tea leaves here, and that's that might be the play: is can we take advantage of a team that is ready to go for it now, is willing to spend capital to get there, and has one or two or three guys that they were high on at one point and maybe they've soured on a little bit and are willing to part with for the short-term gain of getting a 30-goal guy in Bo Horvath. Do you guys think the Canucks will somehow add another first-round draft pick? Somehow. Whether it's in a Horvath trade, a Kuzmenko trade, maybe some crazy team gives up a first for Luke Shen, a late first. Do you think it's going to happen? Can we handicap these chances? I think if the Canucks are willing to – like move Horvat and 
even I mean I don't think I'll be can... very disappointed if a first is not returned for Horvat. Be nice. Very disappointed. Yeah. I, Unless I, it's like Lafreniere, Shane Wright, or one of well, these guys yeah. who's like a like was just drafted. Yeah, is in a, the first is a first round. the equivalent is a first, of a first round, round draft pick. pick. Yeah. yeah, I'll be I, very disappointed. Yeah, I would I would hope that getting some draft capital at the high end of a very good draft would be mm-hmm. uh, atop the shopping list, and, and you need it. Quite frankly, those things have currency; they have value. The 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 whole attitude, and I hear it from some people like, well, "Why do you want pick?" Oh, I hear it from the Canucks. You know, like these picks that may not pan out in three to four years. They're oh, assets. Just, They're just, assets. No, no, stop thinking about it as even tradable assets. Think about them as draft picks. Like, you know what Benning said when he made the Gabranson trade? He's like, well, you know, I hate giving away draft picks, but, you know, I, I feel like we need to do something that helps the team now, and those guys can only tra- well can only help the team in five or six years. Well, it's five or six years later, and we sure could have used – those young players who are pushing, like you have to, the Canucks always say we're taking the long-term view and then they don't take the long-term view. Yeah, but we know that now. I mean, it's clear as day what this management group wants to do and how they want to do it. They like, said This it. team right now is the result of ignoring the future and trading away draft picks. At least when Gillis was doing it. The team was in its window. It was in its Stanley Cup window. So you're like, okay, well, you know, like, go for it, and we'll figure it out yeah. later. This is fun. We're having a great time. We haven't been having a great time, and they're still trading away draft picks. Are we having fun yet? Not quite yet. Although the show's been fun for the first hour. It's going to get even more fun in the second hour because we've got some guests. We're going to be joined by Matt Verderam. He is the national NFL editor for Fansided. We're going to talk to him about the AFC and NFC championship games this Sunday. A couple of really good ones on the ledger. Very much looking forward to them. And then at 7.30, we're going to get into rumblings and news and rumors. Trade rumblings with Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff. He's going to join us in the back half of the 7 o'clock hour. So it's a big 7 o'clock hour. It's going to be a good 7 o'clock hour. Stick around for it. It's the Halford and Brev Show on Sportsnet 650.